0: Well this is Michael Shapiro and welcome to Interplay Conversations and in Music. Today I have the most brilliant, wonderful guest, Sarah Sant'Ambrogio. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, it's a delight and it's good to be together you know, yes. in Chap in Chappaqua and in New York. Yeah. You know, Sarah, you're playing I-, I read some of the, you know, reviews on your website, but but you know, some of them are Uh, We we all use these things on our websites, but I I think it really applies to you when, you know, we talk about full-bodied sound, instinctive musicality in your cello playing. It's really remarkable, your magnetic person Well, it's true, your magnetic personality, the breadth of your repertoire, the forcefulness, the extrovertedness. I mean, when we have this conversation, people will certainly see how extroverted you are. (laughs) (laughs) But what I like about your playing... And it's mentioned in one of the reviews is that you're a risk taker. So talk to me about risk in playing the cello and pushing the tone almost to the edge. Yeah. Of clarity.
1: You know, I grew up, my family has been classical musicians for 800 years. I mean, my father was principal cello of the St. Louis symphony for 35 years. When I was born, he was in the Boston symphony. Um, and then my Grandparents were, my grandfather was a violinist and violist in a string quartet with Joseph Gingold,
0: who was
1: um, Josh Bell's teacher among many great violinists. Actually, Gingold, I didn't know this, but I did a competition when I was like 18 years old and Gingold was a judge and he came up to me afterwards and he said, he introduced himself to me. (laughs) And he said, I don't know if you know, but I was the best man at your grandparents' wedding. I was like, what, I had no that's, idea.
0: That's remarkable. And my
1: grandmother was a pianist and it just goes back and back and back. And so I sort of grew up very influenced by um, the old Russian style of string play, which was full throated, full body. And, um, and also though my father studied with Leonard Rose, so you wanted to sculpt it no, I think wonderful. of cellists as sculptors,
0: right.
1: you know, because the sound is so thick. You need to grab the core and then just sculpt it. I feel like it's such a human voice that you yes. need to push it as far to the farthest extremes to be able to ex- express the complete human condition and the huge tapestry of emotions that we're trying to evoke in this music. And also, I think from, it was interesting, somebody saw there was a Sammy Davis Jr. on PBS uh, documentary, uh-huh. which is yes. quite interesting. And in it, they say, someone says, the safest place for Sammy Davis Jr. was on stage. And a friend of mine said, I've heard you say that a million times. I thought of you when I saw that documentary. And it's true, from the time I was tiny, this, I felt like on stage was the safest, most perfect place in the world, because there you could create the world the way you wanted it to be, and no one could change that until you walked off the stage. So you could, and there's yes. something almost magical, almost alchemy about how you can, through music, On stage, you can take really ugly, painful traumas from your life and you work them through into the music and it transforms them into something so beautiful and the audience and you have this moment of healing together. They realize Mm -hmm. they're not alone. This artist, this composer, they felt those same emotions I was feeling and there's a healing and a redemption to it which is almost magical. So for me on stage, I, I never wanna play it safe because I, I feel like every time you're on stage, it is this gift and you can never take it for granted because you may never be able to do it again. So each one has to be a once in a lifetime experience for me and for, I want the audience to feel that way too. Immediacy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Did you hear Jackie play? Jackie, Jacqueline never
1: never live. But I, I, I,
0: I, did, I did twice. Really?
1: What did she play? Elgar?
0: She played Haydn. And Schumann in this other oh, time? Yeah, I don't yeah. remember. Yeah. But I do, and I met her backstage. I remember this. She was in her early twenties and uh, I was in my teens and she was this she had this incredible flaxen hair. Yeah. But I do re, I do remember exactly what you're talking about was the attack. And the presentation and the putting over of whatever she was playing. Um, I'm very curious about the immediate moment. She just talked about it. Of course you played the Dvorak yes. cello concerto many times. You know it since you're a teeny tiny girl probably.
1: Yes.
0: Talk to me about when that violin comes in at the end.
1: Ah, it's so great and i have to actually remind myself uh stay in the moment stay in the moment because i get so wrapped up in that moment i just got chills actually when you were talking i I got it all down my legs and my arms yep yep it's such a great moment i mean it's so beautiful and and it's like you're riding this incredible wave of emotion yeah. and then yep. on top of it, the violin comes in and it's just like, it's so triumphant. It's brilliant on his part, he's just brilliant. And, and so I, I do find, and I just love when, you know, it's interesting because when I was younger and I was first performing the piece, uh, there was a little bit of a different um, mindset among orchestral musicians they were very serious
0: mm-hmm. and so
1: i would be looking over at them like i oh, like this and they'd be like, <laughs> like this, you know and i'd be like no no look at me look at me please i want this connection you know and now it's great because i'll look over at the, the concert is looking at me like a soul like, looking <laughs> right great. into my eyes you know brilliant. And it's just fantastic
0: i love it's that also, moment
1: it's also like another moment that is just Stunning of a duet again is the slow movement of the Schumann, which oh, yeah. you just mentioned, and that is that is to me one of the most heartbreaking moments ever in music. It's true, just, and it's funny because I was playing it at some point with the Chamber Orchestra of Philadelphia, and uh, they filmed it for those spectra, those like movie showings of concerts. And in in this moment, you hear me go, oh, like,
0: ah. <laughs> no let's idea. Talk, I want to talk more of some more, ooh moments. <laughs> <laughs> Every cello concerto, and there aren't that many great ones. You may differ from me, but compared to, let's say, violin concertos. Or piano. Or piano concertos. My God, us composers didn't get around to many. Brahms, for example, has the double concerto, which I've done uh, with Tim Fain and Eddie Aaron, friends of yours. But I have, and of course, I've conducted the Brahms second piano concerto, which has the best Brahms cello concerto ever written.
1: Ever <laughs> right? Written. Ever yeah, written. I know. I know.
0: You must shoot yourself. I mean, where was he that he couldn't write a cello concerto for? Well, you, you, you know? know,
1: I always heard this story from my dad that. Um, and, I, and actually recently I read it somewhere else, was that, um, that Brahms heard the Dvorak concerto and mm-hmm. said, if I knew you could write for the cello like that, I would have written a cello concerto. And then he died oh. like, like a, a... I think that's, correctly,
0: yeah. that's correct. Yes, that's the history.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm to like, to, wait a second, yeah. but all the great composers, I mean, look at Johann Sebastian Bach. In 1720, he decided to write six unaccompanied suites, and Valuable. he picked not the violin or the piano, at, you know, or or the king of the lower string instruments, which was the viola da gamba. He right. had written three sonatas for viola da gamba and harpsichord. No, he picked the cello, which was like this poor, illegitimate stepchild second cousin three times removed you know but he knew that one day that was going to be the dominant lower string because he was a genius and i'm like brahms you said you sat at the, at the piano and communed with god well god was telling you write a cello concerto well, why weren't you listening you know well,
0: we have to get we have to do back to the future with uh, doc and uh, and the movie and go back to brahms <laughs> hey brahms
1: yeah well, i did just get an amazing cello concerto written for me by the American composer Bruce Wallaceoff, okay. which I recorded with the Royal Philharmonic
0: yes it's on video I've, I've heard it it's wonderful yes
1: it's, I mean it's so oh, it's so romantic and so heartbreaking uh, I think he just did an amazing job we're up for um, two Grammys this year with it uh, nice. uh, best contemporary classical composition and best uh, classical instrumental Solo. Right,
0: right. They have the categories.
1: Right. Now,
0: I just want to let our listeners know about Sarah San Ambrosio that not only are you a great soloist with in concerti, when the lights come on again all over the world, but for years since you're kids. Yeah. You've been a member of the Aroica Trio. Yeah. So I want to talk about chamber music, but first there's the story of the Eroica Trio. How did you guys get started?
1: Oh my gosh. So uh, Erica Nick Krenz, the pianist, she came to my family's music camp, which was called Red Fox Music Camp. It was in the Berkshire mountains. And my grandmother was a huge piano teacher on the East Coast. Um, she had been a protege of Arthur and, um, she And so Erica came to study with my grandmother. And Erica and I were like the complete opposite as personalities. I was always in trouble. I was always getting busted for something. I was, <laughs> I was, I was like the rebel without right. a cause. Okay. And, um, and she was so good. I mean, she was just such a good girl. So they put us together hoping she would rub off on me. It didn't quite work that way. <laughs> 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 I, think, I, I think I corrupted her more than she, like smoothed off my rough edges. But we started playing at twelve and we realized that when we played together, there was just this absolute synergy. It just we just it was just I don't know, it was just we just approach performing the same way, we we approach music in so many of the same ways of pushing the expression to the most passionate way you can express it and never taking anything for granted. She is an extraordinary chamber music pianist because she has the chops and the charisma when she's got the solo to come out like a great soloist, but mm-hmm. the second somebody else does, she's just right there underneath you, supporting you, catching you, creating the beautiful cushion for you to shine, and that's very unusual. so no, it's a hero. trio.
0: It's a trio. Yes. So let's get to the third person. So
1: the violinist Adela Pena and um, Erica had started playing together when they were nine years old, oh, like my. three years before me, because they went to. They both grew up in Greenwich Village, New York City, mm-hmm. and they. Um, uh, went to this music school uh, called Greenwich House. Right. Uh, right, which a lot of people apparently went to. So did Bruce Wallaceoff, the composer of the cello concerto. Interesting. Um, and so they started playing together when they were nine years old. And then, um, so then cut to Erica and I have been playing together for a couple years um, at my family's music camp. And then my family finally had it with me and kicked me out of my own family's music camp. I was just. Yeah, the good thing was I was sewing all my wild oats at like twelve and thirteen years old. That's all right. Well, you're still. It
0: sounds like you're still sewing them while you're playing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm not kidding
0: about that. Is it? Isn't isn't it so boring? Isn't it so boring when you hear a performer that doesn't? I use this phrase all the time, which I got from Otto Klemperer, under the notes playing under the what's the meaning of the piece what is the where was the composer when he was writing it he, she was writing it what's under the notes how do i phrase it talk to me about singing because yeah. there's singing in your playing did you study song did you work with singers
1: no i you know i um i Are you did an opera, sing in the diva, I, opera
0: devoted I, I, person
1: I, I did sing in the church choir as a kid um, but no, I, I just always felt like when I play, I want it to sound like it's just coming out of my heart. And there right. just happens to be a cello in between my legs, but that it's just, and so then like, for me, if you wouldn't sing it that way, then you shouldn't play it that way. You know, it's just, um, so, you know, I would, in fact, I was just teaching a lesson on the Schubert Ave Maria. Oh. And, I, and I said, it's, it sounds like you're taking a breath before the moving notes. No singer would ever do that. And, and they were like, you're right. You know, so um, actually, interestingly though, I'm starting to sing um, because I was asked to play, um, a couple of years ago, I was asked to play the Petrus Vasques, Dolcissimo uh, at Lincoln Center seven times and when I got the music, I was like, I've never seen any like this. I was like, uh-huh. I'm supposed to be playing and singing? And right. I and so the funniest thing was my brother happened to be in New York during one of the concerts and came, uh-huh. and and afterwards he was like, what the heck sarah when did you learn how to sing he said i'm watching you you're in this pool of light on this empty stage and you're playing this piece and and all of a sudden i hear this like vienna boys choir boy soprano singing and i'm looking everywhere (laughs) for where Where is it yeah and then then all of a sudden you put your head back and i realized that sarah was coming out of your mouth and i was like yeah i mean you just i'm a musician so you learn how to sing to, to evoke whatever it is that you're trying to do. I enjoyed it so much that then I started, um, actually right. Michael Bacon has written a new cello concerto for me that I was supposed to be doing the world premiere of in like three days. And actually right now I'm supposed to be in London performing the Bar with Royal Philharmonic. And mm. then two days, from now, I was flying back to the states, and then next week doing the Michael Began. Of course, it's all canceled.
0: Everything the is on hold. W- w- I'm adding w-
1: voice into stuff, and Michael putting voice into it, and it's fun. It's just beautiful, and you can add all these things, you know.
0: But so. you, listen, you're very, you, you're a runner, you have athletic background. You were, you were a, a menace to society, and your, <laughs> and your, and your camp in your early years. But, you know, the ability to be physical is something which I think is important to a player. Oh, yeah. Because aren't you a kind of athlete
1: in a yeah, way? Absolutely. I mean, I've mean, i I've talked about that many times, like, in the press. Like, being a classical musician, you have to have the eye-hand coordination of Roger Federer. Right. You have to have the speed of Usain Bolt. Yep. You have to have the mathematical skills of Einstein, and then you have to be this charismatic performer like Meryl Streep, you know. <laughs> and you have, and you have to do it all simultaneously. That's right. Which is crazy. And, but I also think you know the touring life. Um, you know, I mean, I've had, my gosh, I've, I've, three weeks after I gave birth to my son, I went on, around the world on tour with the baby. Yep. You, know, yeah. you i mean i've had decades where I was playing one hundred and fifty concerts worldwide a season so you're on the road constantly you have yeah. to have a strong Physical body to be able to sustain that constant pushing and pushing and lifting suitcases and cellos and running through airports, you know, and and then and we, also,
0: and we and we know about cellos and airplanes, <laughs> the big controversy. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh, I know. I keep a PDF on my phone of the FAA ruling, but yeah, and I, I have to say I've had less trouble than most people because I find you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. Yeah. So I come in smiling. I've done this a million times. Oh, thank you so much. And, and blah, 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 blah. And oh, yes, I could do this. And, <laughs> and then, you know, and so they kind of go, well, I don't even know, what the heck? And I just walk what right by. Throw.
0: What a fool, I know,
1: I used to hide it. I used to be, what I had before I bought my cello, which I have now, which is a really fine instrument. I had, for the years, I had this orange New York cello and I just couldn't. Ooh spend the money on a plane ticket so i would like bring it in and and they go oh you can't like oh yes it's an oboe oh and they'd look down the list oh yeah oboes and then i was just going and like pop it into the like through the wedge the door or i would go into the bathroom and put it in the bathroom shut the door
0: (laughs) oh my god (laughs) oh yeah we won't tell the faa about you right now
1: yeah i know i haven't done that for ages
0: let's talk about uh preparation um you talk, we talked a little about Schumann, of course, Baccarini and Bach Suites and, and Elgar that you were going to play in with the Royal Philharmonic.
1: Yeah, oh, it's such a great piece. So much
0: fun. Now, why is it a great piece?
1: I feel like it's a great piece because it's unbelievably well-balanced. It's, um, it's... Each movement really builds to the next... It has exactly the right combination of pathos, of heartbreak, of joy and hope and virtuosity. And um, and it even has, a, like the last movement has some serious like Spanish flair to it, yep. which I think is because of the Spanish flu, because he was writing it right then.
0: But
1: um, Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's just, it's so, it just gets, it allows you in a very succinct period of time. It's like 32 minutes long. Yeah, I've
0: conducted it. I know the piece well. Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's so succinct in that he he just encompasses this massive range in such a short period of time. It took Dvorak 45 minutes to do that, you know? And, And so I just find like, there's not one second of wasted time.
0: Yeah, that's correct. It's yeah. very concise. But let me talk to you about phrasing. You're a chamber music musician first, other than the studying, from a very early age. And you played in orchestras, I know. You were in Juilliard, right? In Curtis, I yeah. think?
1: Yeah.
0: And you've done so-called crossover in the so-called pop world. You've done film. You've done all kinds of stuff. But when you approach a concerto of a serious nature written, you know, right after or during the First World War by Sir Edward Elgar during the Spanish Flu period, which is a very different kind of approach than if you were playing playing the Haydn C major.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah.
0: How are you approaching this style? What are you thinking as you go into it?
1: Well, it's interesting because it's that's an interesting question because it's not really I'm thinking because I've, or, I've spent so many years. I mean, I've been playing music since I was two. I started piano at two. I was playing the two-part of Vengeance by four, you know, and of Bach. And then I switched to cello at six, but continued playing piano until I was about 17, 18. Um, but now I've completely lost it. I still sit down and play Bach on the piano because it's just yeah.
0: Bach. You're like, Cas- Casals woke up that way.
1: I know. And I put myself, I, I, after I finish my cello practice, I then go to the piano and play for like a half an hour. And but I just It's a wonderful way to just like bring down the day and then move forward to the Sarah, evening. Sarah.
0: So yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah,
1: so it's there's, okay, first of all, there's like your, like an artist's palette, you know? So if it was Monet, it's going to have certain colors that he's going to have on his palette. Um, and it's the same thing with periods of music. I'm, not, I'm going to use a very different vibrato as my basic vibrato, though every single note I'm changing the vibrato depending on what that note is trying to tell the audience. Bravo. But, it's going to be, but that palette for Elgar is entirely different than for Bach or Haydn or even Beethoven. You know, there's just... And you don't even have to think about it anymore because you know what periods you're in and then you approach it with that palette that is just innate in you now, you know?
0: Mm. And
1: so it's, I mean, to me, I, I don't know. Something about music has always just spoken to me. Like I just could see it the second i'd see a score i just knew exactly what i wanted to do with it i would look at it and know without even playing it. i knew how i could see the architecture and i just i knew exactly I what I, I already on. saw what i wanted to do no, it's yeah.
0: obvious that you're playing i just have a question though when you have your background in chamber music and then you get on stage and you do schumann with the schumann concerto with the orchestra how is your chamber music extensive experience with Eroica? all these years, how does that inform your, ch- your con- concerto playing and reverse it? How does yeah. your concerto playing inform your Eroica playing?
1: Yeah. Well, I have to say that, um, I think that I have absolutely the best in both worlds. Um, I think that, um, when I play like, well, Schumann concerto, particularly when I play Schumann concerto, that last movement, is like a concerto grosso, really? Right. It's so much back and forth between the strings and then cello solo, strings, cello solo, strings. You know the violins, You know, so that chamber music feel creates a tightness, and I'm reacting to them probably a little bit more so than most cello soloists who don't play in chamber music on a daily basis.
0: Correct. Correct.
1: Right. And yeah. And it, and to me, that's like the, it's just so it's so great. Like I can't yep. imagine not. Like yep. it's, you know. And then with the trio, um, you know, it's the same thing when you're um, when you are in a trio. It's interesting when we played Beethoven Triple Concerto, which we mm-hmm. played more than any other trio in the history of the concerto. Actually, somebody told Yeah, yeah me by that. the
0: way, he wrote he wrote Funicoli, funicola in that piece. You know that, right? Do you, you know the Italian song "Funiculi, da. I know, I know. It's and so I funny.
1: It's so funny, but you know what? I first thought when <laughs> I first played it as a little kid. Yeah. In Missouri, we were like twenty years behind TV wise of everybody right. else. I was like da 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 da, da with those feet, my <laughs> three sons. And when right. I was when I first was a kid, at one point I was rehearsing <laughs> with an orchestra, and they said, oh, "Where do you want to start?" And I said, "Why don't we start the my three sons part?" And the whole orchestra just burst out laughing. Whereas now, like nobody knows that reference, you know.
0: Nobody, nobody, nobody would know it. Yeah, um, but it's so yeah. much, fun.
1: Yeah. I have to say, playing the triple concerto is so much fun because you're keeping track of so many lines. It's not just the soloist line and the orchestra's line. It's two other soloists besides you and the orchestra. So it's just, I, it's, to me, it is. I just am so high when I'm doing that. Well, it's just, fun. It's, like, it's, a
0: fun yeah. it's a fun piece.
1: It is. It's so fun. And just that throwing those lines back and forth between the orchestra and two other soloists. It's super. It's, you know, it's just, it's like you're juggling so many balls and it's just so much more exciting.
0: But what's interesting, it's coming from a person like you who's played the Archduke, who's played the Schubert B flat, you know, who's played the Dumkey. Yeah. I mean, you've done it all. Sarah, to sum up a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> if we can, from Bach until the Wallisov. Talk to me about where you want the literature to go. Because you're, you're one of the primary cello, cellists in the world. Where would you like to see cello literature? Tell this composer and other composers yeah. may, who may be watching, where do you want this to go?
1: You know, I, 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 I always, as a kid, I so admired Casals and Rostropovich for commissioning so many works. I've commissioned a lot of music at this point and still continuing to commission a lot. The thing that basically I'm looking for is a piece of music that's expressing an emotion, if not more than one emotion. And sometimes when people deliver stuff, I look at it and go, it's not for me because this is an intellectual exercise. And there's nothing for me to sink my teeth into. And I can see it just looking at the page. Then I'll force myself due diligence. It's like when you're dating and you have a first date and you're like, no. I always say, okay, I have to to make myself do a second date because I don't want (laughs) to be too judgmental. So when I get a piece of music, I look at it and go, it's not for me. Because I don't see anywhere where I can start to pull out the humanity of mankind. Um, I'll still force myself to dig into it and work it out, but I'm like, it's an intellectual exercise, and it's not. I wish the cello music particularly and all music would go even more into an emotional place, a place where it's expressing even more emotion because that's what keeps music alive, you know, not intellectual exercises. It's how it speaks to humanity. That's why... 300 years after Bach woke those cello suites, we still are discovering things in it. It's still, you know, I was saying that to me, I was sick as a dog with that coronavirus. And the second I could literally like drag myself out of my bed, I went to the cello and started playing Bach because I knew that it was going to make me feel this hope for the world this right. this sense of mankind's perfection and um and even though like my hands felt like they'd been run over by a Mack truck I mean I was mm. in so much pain I still found I was smiling as I was playing Bach the four. I was playing the fourth suite
0: you're not it alone just, by the way you're not alone yeah. when I was when I was in hospital with it to, to throw back another COVID story why did I listen to the first, the beginning of the St. Matthew Passion. Ah,
1: oh, what a masterpiece, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, the, the most incredible melody that's just ongoing, and also a good deal of Gustav Mahler, too, who I'm yeah. very close to for a lot of reasons. Listen, you are a life force. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Your cello playing is magnificent. Thank you so it ex- much. It expresses the being, the hopes, the caring, the intellect, The Beauty of Sarah San Ambrosio. Thank you so much for being on this program today.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure speaking with you. It was really fun.
0: Thank you. This is your host, Michael Shapiro, on Interplay, Conversations in
1: Music.